All right, welcome back into the Quintessential Ministry Podcast, and uh, we are continuing our series through my second book, Bring It, uh, today. So I thank you for uh, tuning in, for jumping in on this and giving it a listen. Uh, Last week, we did take a quick break from the series. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit in on a podcast for my church at Erie First, um, and that was, we called that podcast, Where is God in the Pandemic?, and uh, so I just took a break from this to share that because that was the week we were pushing it out as a church. I think it's a really timely conversation. Um, I love big conversations like that and kind of, uh, you know, those are the types of things where you can zoom out 50,000 feet or zoom in really close. And um, we, I think we did a little bit of that, of, of both of those things. So if you didn't get a chance to check that out, uh, some great people on that podcast, Dennis Bastone, Ron Troyer, my boss, Nicole Schreiber. And it was just a really good conversation on God's role in this pandemic. Uh, so go back and give that a listen. But we are on chapter five of my book, Bring It. And I have with me again, as promised, my wife, Erin. Would you say hello, babe? Hello. And just for the record, if you think that um, I'm having my wife on out of any level of laziness, like, oh, this will be easy. I'll just record podcasts with my wife after the five kids are in bed. Um, I could choose almost anybody else, and it would be easier for me to find 40 minutes to sit down and have a quality, long conversation about things that matter with microphone set up and all the things. So just so we're on the same page there. It's uh, funny that you say that because just as I was going up to remind our two oldest for the 18th hundredth time it felt like that they need to be quiet and go to sleep. Anderson was like, well, I just have a question. Why, why are you not in bed? And I was like, well, dad and I are adults and we can go to bed whenever we want to. And he was like, yeah, but you like going to bed. Why are you not in bed? And I was like, well, that's true. But this is the only time that daddy and I have to talk when you guys aren't around. And he was like, oh, right. So, um, Yeah, it's definitely uh, arguably more work to do this, but I value what you have to say, and so I'm glad that you agreed to to jump in and do this. Um, And so anyways, last week, uh, or a couple weeks ago, I guess it was, we talked about uh, Chapter 4, Journeying Well, and we really studied this idea of offering hope and encouragement to others as we go through this life. And so I just want to back up real quick. Um, and remind you, if you've been following along, chapter one does feel like a little while ago, um, but really the whole premise of this book, the second book of my Bring It, is based on one scripture verse, Psalm 138.8. I have it open in my Bible here. This is the NIV translation. It says, the Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. And then I have, uh, just in the margin, I wrote just how a couple other translations say this uh, verse. They say, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me, and Lord, finish what you started. And so that's really the idea that we're talking about uh, with this title, Bring It, Finding Your Confidence in the One Who Created Confidence. Uh, What we're after here is just understanding, I guess, uh, to put it in a nutshell, like our identity in Christ, who we are when we say yes to Jesus and when we choose to go on this journey as Christians and follow him, what does that really look like in a, in a day-to-day example? What does that look like, um, yes, for the whole course of our life, but just how do you walk that out on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday? So we talked about uh, God and how he is sovereign, strong overall. We talked about the boundaries that he's trying to grow with our relationship with him. Um, we 
we dug into the finished product that God had in mind when God created the heavens and the earth, and then when he declared that it was good, he had you in mind when he said that sentence. Like, mm-hmm. he knew yeah. you were going to exist when he said that he's not bound by time. And so he has a finished product in mind that is so good and so much better than we even will ever understand. And so hopefully that's an encouragement to you. When we understand that, uh, we are given the opportunity we are given the role in the story to journey well and to offer hope and encouragement to others to share the same message with others. And that leads us to chapter five, which we are going to talk about today. What about me? And so I kind of teased it at the end of uh, our discussion on chapter four. But I, I feel um, over the last few years, God has kind of opened my eyes to this American version of Christianity that I have called um this is just Quint's opinion. I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody else, but <laughs> that I have called a la carte Christianity. This idea that if I like the worship experience at this church and the small group experience at that church and the preaching from such and such YouTube pastor uh, across the country, which, hey, I've got a bunch of pastors all over the country that I love to listen to. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I do think is wrong, and what I actually told someone today at lunch, I was kind of explaining this idea of a la carte Christianity, and I said, you know, it's honestly my beef with it as a pastor, my fear, and what I've seen happen is when you have shallow roots a bunch of different places, you Mm. have deep roots nowhere. And so when you have deep roots nowhere, and then life hits, which by the way, life's going to hit period, like stuff happens all the time, when you have deep roots nowhere and life hits, where do you go for help? Who do you go to for help? You only have these, what I call shallow root uh, relationships. And I'm speaking very broadly. That's not to say that you're, if you have approached your Christian journey that way, uh, I'm not saying you don't have quality relationship with small groups. I'm just saying the odds aren't in your favor, right? Right. So that's really... Uh, I guess my heart behind it. So this chapter is called What About Me? And Aaron, I was just wondering kind of what are some of the things that stuck out to you as you reviewed it and uh, gave it another read? And what are some things that that maybe you see um, in that light? Um, Well, kind of going off what you were just saying with a la carte Christianity or kind of this consumer Christianity is the section um, that you entitled Naturalizing the Supernatural. And as you were just talking about it, I was thinking about what I had reread in this. And really what you're getting at here is our version of Jesus, how we understand him to be, and how that can be extremely divisive within the church of our view of him. Because, of course, each of us has... We read the word, but we read it through our lens, our experience, uh, what we believe that it's saying, and then what can happen and what is really unfortunate, I think, in the church is that it becomes very divided over matters that Jesus never meant for there to be any division. And I think what you're getting at with this a la carte Christianity is specifically in regards to church, we have to think about when the early church began there were not one million options of where you could go and how you could worship. It was literally meeting in the home, worshiping God, discussing his word together, fellowshipping together. That was church. And then, you know, 
thousands of years have passed, and it has become one million options, and it can be very easy to, I don't like this worship, it's too modern for me, or it's too traditional for me, I need to go find somewhere else, I don't like this preacher, they are not an expository preacher, they're not a this, that, or the other, instead of asking God, where do I need to be planted Even if it's, where do I need to be planted for this season of my life? I mean, we've been married 12 years, and we've been planted in three, four different church bodies for different seasons of our lives and our ministry. And um, I think asking that question... Which, it's worth noting, half of those, we weren't in ministry. No, we we weren't. We both had full-time jobs, and we were attenders of a church. So And served in, in the church. So just like back up and point out that our perspective is both and yes now we're in full-time ministry but before that we were church attenders yeah right it's hard to remember but yeah we were it's very hard to remember um now i think for me you know i i do believe just based on our personalities and the way that we're wired there are some people that probably struggle more with this naturalizing the supernatural than others ones that are very analytical that love to know all the details that they they may be the type of people that would more fall into this category. I find it very easy, and you mentioned the verse in, oh, First and Second Timothy, you kind of referenced, the mystery of the faith. It's honestly quite easy for my personality to be fine with mystery and to not knowing the answer to every question. So I, I understand I'm talking from a standpoint of someone that doesn't need to know every last detail and is totally okay with that mystery and knowing that when I get to heaven, it's all going to be sorted out. But I do know that there are other people that probably struggle more with that um, than I I would. I think think detailed people probably view what you just said as lazy. Yes. And honestly, there's a there is some truth to that. You know, my, my personality is one that when there is too many options or it seems too hard, I, I do draw back. But that's that's not what I'm saying, you know, necessarily here. Um, but I, I understand that a detail-oriented person might right. might think that. Right. Um, but I, I, I think more than anything, it's just realizing that Jesus did not want the church to be divided over anything. And in 2020, I mean, I don't remember a more divisive time in our country and in my life. Everything is divided now down to masks versus no masks, you know, gatherings versus no gatherings, you know, everything. What what is the gathering for? Right. How many people are going to be there? Everything is divided. You really can't say anything without someone taking an offense to it or picking the other side. And so I think we as the church, more than anything, need to focus on what Jesus wanted us to focus on when he went back to heaven. Which, in light of that, I would encourage you, if you haven't yet, uh, go back and listen to the podcast that we that I did release last week, that special bonus episode, because um, not on purpose, but as I'm sitting here, um, you know, looking at this this title, Naturalizing the Supernatural, and remembering where we kind of wrapped up in that conversation, is this idea of we, um, honestly, in the Western church in America, we tend to just kind of like operate in the natural. You come into a church, uh, I'm repeating myself a little bit here, but you come into a church with a headache, speaking very broadly, nine out of 10 churches are going to say, people in the church will say, did you take an ibuprofen? We don't even consider the spiritual side of it. We don't even consider 
Uh, is something trying to get on you? Or do, do you need to leave something at the altar today? Do we need to pray, lay hands and pray on you like the New Testament church did, the very active, aware of mm. spiritual things, New Testament church? Um, and so I think that that is, um, you know, it's worth pointing out because I think what we, how we have been conditioned in the Western world is to um, view the data internalize the subject, compartmentalize it, and move on with our day, Yeah. right? Like that's what the yeah. news does. That's what the internet does. That's what everything does is kind of like, here's the information, assess your beliefs, assess according to your belief system and move on. And that's not, I mean, you want to go back to chapter two and we're talking about bond, boundaries. That is not God's heart for a relationship. That is not Christ's heart for a relationship with you. And I mean, that's just not realistic like who i am to my wife is different than who i am to my kids is different than who i am to my coworkers or my boss or you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. so if if i'm this complex sure and i'm a pretty simple dude like how complex is god and for us to just try to box him up to just try to naturalize the supernatural just understand him in an academic way that comfortably fits into our life so we don't have to go too far or go too deep into waters that we're uncomfortable with is just wrong. Yeah. Right? It's just wrong. So um, anyways, yeah, I think that uh, that's that's definitely some really good stuff. Um, you might want to rewind and listen, re, kind of re-listen to that because that was a lot all at once. But um, this idea of worship over talent was another subject that uh, I tried to tried to tackle in this chapter, and and um, you know my background or how I ended up in ministry is through worship ministry, like music um, specifically, um, and so that's kind of where this the wool was pulled off my eyes on this, and I was able to kind of like see um, see some of this, but I think it definitely applies to all people in all walks of life. Romans twelve one and two says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God has done for you is the best you can do for Him. It is your reasonable act of worship. Mm. And so anything we do, I'm sure that I've said this on a podcast, probably the one I did with Ellen on worship, but anything we do is worship. We are worshipers. We worship with our time, our money, our attention, yeah. period, case closed. The question is, what are we worshiping, right? And so um, when we understand that our lives are acts of worship, how we live our lives are acts of worship, then really what happens is we kind of become illuminated to this idea of we can lead with that belief. We can lead with our worship of Him, or we can lead with our natural talent, with whatever thing we're just naturally good at, naturally comfortable with. So let me give you an example. I remember one time uh, getting up on stage to lead worship. I'd probably been leading worship, I don't know, six months to a year, so I was kind of comfortable again. I uh, had taken a really long uh, break from music, and then I got back into it. And um, probably six months to a year in, I'm feeling pretty good about it. It kind of became comfortable again, and I got up on stage to lead a song, and I realized that I um, really like hadn't given any thought to the actual act of um, like 
breath support, getting air, singing, all these things. Um, and so like, I kind of, I caught it pretty quick, but like halfway through the song, I realized like, wow, I'm focused on a ton of different things. And I've kind of, I kind of came up here with the attitude that I can do the music part of this on autopilot. Um, and I found out very quickly that wasn't true. Like I was just trying to rely on my natural talent, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and fortunately I figured it out quickly, corrected and, and got back into a worshipful state of mind. But mm. I have seen people do that where they're just so gifted naturally. I'm not so gifted naturally. I just had done it a lot of times. But I have seen people who are so gifted naturally, they're not even thinking about the worship experience part of it. They're just like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. And they just they let it rip. They just go for it. Um, so I think anybody can do that. The, a business owner can easily do that. You become so good at your business, you aren't even bringing God into the conversation on a day-to-day basis. You're not even bringing God uh, and, and your Savior, Jesus Christ, into the equation. You're just doing your job because you're good at your job. You're yeah. just running your business because you're good at running your business. A stay-at-home mom can do that. You're just rolling with the kids, getting them through the day because you got this routine on lock and you're just you're doing your thing and you're good as opposed to what we have the opportunity to do, which is invite Christ into the daily movements, invite Christ into uh, whatever it is we're doing, running our business, doing our job, leading worship, preaching on stage. I'll tell you what, like I am more aware than ever uh, right now as I'm trying trying to work through a sermon that I don't want to just come up with an idea that I'm passionate about and teach on it. I want to read the word and have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus Christ through the word, and preach from that, because the difference is night and day. You don't need a motivational speech from a pastor. You need mm, yeah. something that God revealed to a man of God uh, from his word. And so, anyways, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that, but that's kind of just some of my thoughts on this this idea of worship over talent. Lead your life, live your life from a point of worship, not from a point of talent. Here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm comfortable with. So I don't really need God in those parts of my life, but like where I struggle, I'll invite him in there. That is not the MO that we want to operate with. No. And that is so what we naturally do is of course the areas that we excel at in our own natural, whatever, natural talent, natural strength are the ones that we don't stop to invite Jesus into because we don't quote unquote need him. But also your natural or what I found, at least for me, is my natural ability, talent and whatever um, area can only take me so far. It only it runs out. It it's it's not as amazing or as complete as it could be with the invitation of Jesus pouring over it. And you know, for me, I mean, I joke that I literally have no talents. I, I, I really don't have anything that I have excelled at naturally. Um, I'm not musical. I'm not overly athletic. Um, I was actually at a baby shower on Sunday, and I am amazing at baby shower games. I don't know why. It's like just I don't know. So I, and I joked to the women that were there, I literally have no other skill set other than that I'm really good at baby shower games and I win all of them. I don't know what it is, but, um, I, I, so, so for me, I guess the one area that in my current 
situation as a stay-at-home mom of five kids. I mean, I do have like our routine and our day on lock. I do know what I know my kids inside and out, backwards and forwards. I know what they're thinking before they even say it. So I would say that's probably the area, which is ironic because parenting is like the hardest thing on the planet and is the absolute number one thing that Jesus needs to be invited into and pouring over and a part of. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so, but I, I had a day on Monday that was absolutely insane, and I don't even want to tell you what happened because it was that bad, but I had to stop by 10 a.m. and just say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this of my own accord, clearly. Like, I was literally ready to turn in my mom card. It was that bad. And Our kids are safe and sound. Uh, they're, fine, they're fine, but it was touch and go there for a while. But five is a lot, and it's hard to keep track of yes. everything that's Yes, and happening. I said to our kids at lunch, thank God most days are not like that, because they really aren't. But when they are like that, oh my goodness, they are like that. So, but I, I had to stop and verbally say out loud, Jesus, I cannot do this on my own. Clearly, I'm failing. I need you. Come in, please. And then, of course you know, the day corrected itself as, as it, as it should have, but why wait till it gets to that point, you know, uh, before you say those words, I should wake up every morning and those should be the first words out of my mouth. And, um, you know, I'm sure the days would go so much simpler if they were, but yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's refreshing to know that when we do wait too long, he is like ready and faithful and gracious because, We'd be in a lot of trouble otherwise, but um, yes. yeah, so that's kind of this idea, though. What about me? Um, I guess I'll sum it up with kind of how I started the chapter. I think that the thing that you should know, Christian, is that you are free from you. You are now living a life that is free from your own shallow, selfish desires, mm. and the reality is whatever your desires are, whatever your personal bent is you have shallow and selfish desires. You just do. And so do I. We're pretty simple people and we want pretty simple and shallow things. Um, And God in his graciousness will replace those desires as we draw closer to him. We talked about that. um, I think it was Adam Blazik and I about this idea of the uh, verse in Psalm 37. Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so you should know uh, more than anything that you have, like I just said, shallow and selfish desires, but as you pursue the Lord, as you take delight in Him, as you study His Word, as you grow your boundaries with Him, He will actually replace whatever your desires are with much holier and much better ones. And so you're free from, from what you want. You want this worship experience and that small group experience and this Sunday sermon and these YouTube videos, you you want this a la carte Christianity, but you need to submit that to him. You need to surrender that to him. And I actually, um, this is maybe one of my favorite quotes I've ever put in a book. Um, It says, when we are determined to live 100% for Christ, it is no longer a matter of the strength of our will. It becomes entirely a matter of the surrender of our will. I'm the type of personality that loves the strength of my will. I'll run through a wall if that's what I need to do because it's just the wall. Like that's how I'm, <laughs> that's how I'm wired. Pretty simple. Um, but I love the fact that 
I can let go of all of those things. I can give all that up. You can let go of all those things that you selfishly want for personal reasons, and you can trust Him uh, to replace your desires with better ones. And ultimately, and actually someone said this to me today, and I love it, I think it's great, if you get to a point with a church experience where you're like, well, I'm just not getting fed there, the reality that you'll find in the New Testament, if you crack it open and read it, is that you do come to a point where it's not necessarily about how much you're getting fed. You need to turn around and start doing the feeding. You need to start helping people. You need to start pouring out whatever it is you know for other people. And so there is a point where it becomes much less about what you're getting from it and what you're giving back to it. That's what it's really all about. So mm-hmm. hopefully, um, hopefully this at least piques some interest for you and got you thinking about what is my approach to church? I mean, the unfortunate statistic in America is that Christians go to church, it's like 1.8 or 2.1 times a month. Um, well, there's four Sundays in a month. There's actually 4.3 if you if you do the divide it with the five Sunday month. So there are 52 Sundays in a year. Like we have the opportunity every week to gather as a church to praise him. And I mean, shame on us if we get to when we get to the other side of this pandemic and we ever take it for granted oh, again. I, I mean, know. we were so casual with it and now it's been taken from us and we're at our church, we're meeting in a parking lot. My friends are meeting in a tent. I mean, people are doing all sorts of crazy and unique things just to continue to gather together as the church. Let's never take that for granted again. And let's let's really lean into wherever God has called us as a church and find out what does he have for me here? Um, what what can I contribute and what would it look like if I engaged in the worship experience at my church, even if I do like one somewhere else more? Uh, what's that have to do with it? Right. I mean, frankly, like, I I haven't thought this way in so long, I don't know, but I can't say unequivocally that, and I'm the worship pastor, I can't say unequivocally that the worship experience is quote-unquote exactly what I want it to be every sure. Sunday. Yeah. That it has nothing to do with me. Like, why, why would why would that matter? It doesn't mean that I'm not led in a direction. I do my best to go there, but like... Your preference. My, or your... my musical preference yeah. is... That went out the window a long time ago, you know? And so hopefully yours has as well. Like, engage in the worship experience your church is putting forward because it's not about you, and it's not even about the the church. It's about ascribing worth to the only one who is worthy as his bride, as his church. Um, and then, yeah, join the small group if that's what your church does, or show up to the prayer meeting, or whatever the thing is, do it, because... I believe you will see, as the Bible tells you, and as the Bible promises, he will replace those desires with better ones. He'll take those shallow and selfish ones away from you and give you much better ones, much holier ones that are so much more fulfilling. So any other thoughts, babe? No, that that was great. Um, I mean, I would just end with saying it's just in in the pursuit of a relationship with Jesus, so much is revealed. And 
you say here, as you chase this relationship with Jesus Christ, you're automatically drawing closer to the Father. You're automatically journeying well. A pastor friend of mine once said, it is impossible to become more like Jesus and not grow into a better spouse, or you could say better son, daughter, father, mother, child. I think in those times that you may just not know what else to do, you're at a block in your relationship with your spouse or one of your children, you cannot go wrong by continuing to pursue your relationship with Jesus and having him reveal to you through his word and through his grace where to go next. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. That's so good. All right. Well, that's chapter five and uh, hopefully it blessed you. Hopefully you got something out of it. We will wrap this thing up next week. Chapter six, closing the gap. Uh, going to tell you a quick story <laughs> about our only daughter, and um, her very grand entrance and just some of the things we learned through that. And uh, yeah, so anyways, this has been great. I appreciate it. Hopefully you are benefiting from it. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the special episode, Where is God in this Pandemic from last week, go back and uh, give it a listen. It's really good and honestly speaks to some of the stuff you were just talking about, babe, with the naturalizing the supernatural and this idea of division and everything else. Not that it was a divided conversation, but just it shows that there are different ends of the spectrum. There are people coming from all sorts of uh, interpretations or things. And uh, ultimately, we need to ask ourselves, how will we respond uh, to God in light of all the things that we encounter? So anyways, go give that a listen, and we'll catch you next week as we wrap up this summer series on uh, my book, Bring It. I appreciate you listening along. I was wondering